everybody, Cable Smith, welcoming every one of you into episode 22 of Justified Pursuit, alongside Chisholm Cook as always. Chisholm, it's been a couple weeks, man. We had that freaking snowmageddon, and then uh, I had to go over to uh, South Africa to do some work, so here we are back at it uh, with a... Uh, Agendaless episode, but uh, I've got a couple things on my mind. I don't know. I don't know about you. Uh, I, I don't. I just want to talk about what you want to talk about, buddy. I'm here okay. to support you. Turn your mic down just a little bit. You sound a little hot. Uh, as a check, check. No, yeah, okay, that's good. Uh, yeah. So, first thing, uh, and I just got had had front. had to go to South Africa for some work. I like yeah, your, just, I like I like how you couch that. <laughs> had to. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was quite interesting. The airports were dead, the airplanes were empty. I had my my whole row. I had a whole, an entire row on both the flight to uh, we flew Qatar Airlines. Don't ever do that, by the way. They treated us like we were freaking criminals because we were traveling with firearms. Although they advertised they're a firearm friendly airline, they are not. Uh, one of the guys didn't even get to take his guns on the plane uh he flew from houston and they told him at the airport nope can't take your guns what okay anyway uh south africans though were happy to see us they uh, they said the last time they saw americans was a year ago so from from the people at the airport to the to the uh staff at camp to the phs dude i mean it was a buzz people were happy 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 to see us uh, so that was cool that is cool i, I can't imagine uh, what that type of tourism industry has suffered over the last year. And, you know, we are sort of known in the U S for being the, uh, <laughs> primary drivers, particularly of the hunting and maybe not so much fishing, but definitely the hunting, uh, industry. Yeah. So I just got off the phone with a buddy who owns, uh, actually it's Marco Barrett. He owns Las Raices ranch, which is close to your place there in Ensenal. Yeah. I didn't know you knew that guy. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, we were just kind of talking about the state of the the hunting industry, dude. I, I have never been more depressed about the future of our our passion, our way of life, the way that we're raising our kids as outdoorsmen uh, than I am today. I, I, this is what I feel like. I feel like it is an airplane that it is spiraling towards planet Earth from 40,000 feet up in the sky. And all I'm doing is trying to be because it's going to crash and I'm just trying to be on the last row, the back row. So I'm the last one for impact because it's going down. And, uh, I just, yeah, there's just no hope. We just can't, we can't win. And it's sad to say that. Cause I, I mean, I obviously do that for a living. Um, but I, I dude, I, I, I'm <laughs> hope is lost. We cannot beat these anti hunters. Um, uh, and I mean, African hunting that, this is the tail end of it. If you want to go, by the way, you you should go in the next five years because that's going away too. I mean, it's depressing, man. I don't. I just don't know how we can ever how we can ever get that back. And every time they take one little piece of it away, they chip away, they chip away. Those things never come back, and eventually you're just left with nothing. And uh, and I feel bad for our kids and certainly grandkids. So how well, about that's that? a nice pessimistic note to start start us off. <laughs> you said you wanted to talk about what I want to talk about. And no, I'm with I, you. I mean, I just I, 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 got I, off the I, phone with a guy, a lengthy conversation, and it's like I feel like we're just beating our heads in the wall. Like, it, and here's the crazy thing, dude, is that it it doesn't affect them. The people that scream the loudest, it, it's not affecting them. It's actually benefiting me, my family. I'm feeding my family with that protein. The wildlife is populations are more robust today and certainly in north america and in south africa than they ever have been and it, it, everything wins every it, it just doesn't make any sense it doesn't affect them and yet they want to tell you what you can and can't do and how you can and can't live your life and eventually there will be no more animals because all of that land is going to be turned into cropland or, or or ranching you know it'll go back to ranching and, uh, and the animals will no longer be on the landscape. Yeah. Um, as uh, has been the case in recent months, I'm much more optimistic that the pendulum always swings back the other direction. 
Um, I don't know if it will for hunting. It might in politics. I just like it doesn't matter if a Republican or a Democrat is in is elected. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't seem to have as much bearing on on our passion for the outdoors as say um the second amendment or so it was used you know i don't know yeah i mean i guess i I don't i know that that anti-hunters are continuously attacking little aspects of hunting the jersey bear hunt you know trapping this this and that they're often defeated um particularly in the more purple definitely i mean in the red states it's just not even a conversation really so i I mean, obviously, I wasn't privy to your conversation with the guy from Las Raices, although I would yeah. like to meet him sometime. No, but I mean, what, right. what what are y'all seeing? Right. We do like... get these little victories, and we do stave off these um, these legislative advances, attacks on on hunting. But it's just like it it never ends, and yeah, well, eventually that's, that's we lose for sure. We lose not ever that end. goes away. Like how, California protected bobcats last year, man, bobcats. Yeah, but F California. I okay, but we've as we've talked about on this show, it all trickles towards the middle. Like it starts well, in California I mean, and the in the East Coast, and then it just uh, just as we have a we have a cons- we have a constitutionally towards middle America. We have a constitutionally protected right to hunt in the state of Texas. So California can bring their absurd leftist sensibilities this way all they want. They're going to have to get a constitutional amendment to take that yeah. back out of our Texas constitution. Uh, and I don't know that we're the only state to have that. I think there may be a, f- I need to, we should check sure. on that. Sure. I you think there's a few Western states. From? I think Montana has that. This all stemmed from that project coyote video, that trailer that I posted mm-hmm. uh, about the predator hunting contests. And I found out through the hunters that were actually in that film, that the, the producer who's a Nat Geo photographer, videographer, go figure uh, that dude lied to him. He straight up lied to him and said he wanted to come and do a documentary on why these contests uh, contests were ne- uh, necessary. And then he f- freaking made them look like a bunch of bloodthirsty assholes and uh, cropped and edited everything. You know, he left a lot of the context out about the conservation components and just made them look like um, complete bloodthirsty, inhumane animals. And, uh, and so I, I don't know if there'll be legal, like if there's going to be legal repercussions for the way that he misled them. Certainly the landowners that he had permission to film on their property were also misled. Uh, they wouldn't have agreed to that either. So I don't know like legally what ramifications there will or will not be, but uh, that's where that all stemmed from. It was just like, God. And then you see people that are claimed to be hunters siding with the, in my opinion, well, they're siding with the anti-hunters saying, yeah, we need to get rid of these contests. Well, there's no scientific shred of evidence anywhere that predator hunting contests actually do any permanent damage to a coyote or fox uh, population. You hunt them, then three months later, they have another contest. You go back and hunt the same places, and guess what? The coyotes are right back where they were. So, I don't know, man. Let me ask you something, though. Was it a good idea for a bunch of guys who, uh, you know, regularly spend their time in and I, I haven't watched the documentary. I, I just know kind of what I've seen you post about it, but I think to your point under false pretenses, a documentary was made mostly about predator contests. Is that right? Or at least that was a big, yes, but, chunk but of it. Okay, that's just the low hanging fruit, right? I mean, they, mm-hmm. they just grabbed onto that because it's the easiest thing to get to play. Yeah, well, the- I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is I kind of think the guys who decided to put that out there in that fashion, regardless of the intention of the camera crew, I mean, they, they, a predator killing contest and stacks upon stacks of dead coyotes getting a lot of publicity doesn't seem to be very helpful to the hunting community, in my opinion. Okay. But I'll, and I'll counter with this. It doesn't matter, man. You, if we, you're pandering to the other side. I'm done pandering. Like I'm, I'm, I'm effing over it. Like it. No, I'm not pandering. Work- I, it isn't working. Yes, if you're saying we shouldn't, we should shy away from those images and say, okay, well now we're not being transparent about what we're doing. I, I, I'm not doing that anymore. I don't think that I ever really did, uh, but I, I'm done with that uh, because we have to say this is what we do. This is why it's it's necessary. Predator 
coyotes, number one. There, there is no fur trade anymore. All of these fur-bearing predators get a free pass when, when once they were trapped heavily. And so their numbers are out of control. Um, and there's tons of studies that back it up about – there's one guy um, – oh, God, I forget who I was talking to. He had a video on a coyote den in Texas. That coyote, that pair of coyotes brought 16 fawns back to that den in one, one summer, spring, early summer. 16 fawns. Think about you, you. Your family owns a ranch. Think about that. That's absurd how many that is. So I don't know. I, I just think we need to be transparent, you know, and this idea of we shouldn't be posting these pictures because it offends people. Go back to what, what I always say. You don't have the right to not be offended. Get over it. Okay. Well, you know, I could make – I know the reality of hunting and I know the reality of conservation, and we certainly know the left does not understand that reality. But, mm. uh, you know, we also have to face the reality that as you started this conversation off with, there are and there will always be a loud vocal contingent of humans that will fight tooth and nail to strip us of our ability to, to do these sorts of things. Right. Yeah. And it's not kowtowing or uh, whatever word you just used to pandering. Yeah, pandering to acknowledge that inflaming or giving the left ammunition with which to shoot back at us isn't very smart business. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm not sitting here saying predator uh, contests should be outlawed, but I am just saying, you know, if you're going to agree to to partake in a documentary about something that could be that controversial and that ugly for hunting, I guess, in general, uh, you know, you owe it to yourself and more importantly, everybody else who likes to do this sort of thing to know who the hell you're dealing with, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that dude was right by any stretch of the imagination. Am I saying that that dude was right to, you know, record this film and portray these people as he did, but you know, nothing is black and white. He's an asshole clearly and a liar, frankly, but you know, the people who decided that they were going to get famous for, Predator well, I don't think he the way that they explained it to me was that was not how it was approached the, the guy was just trying to shed light on why these contests were necessary like that these guys were doing conservation in action I don't think they did it from a standpoint of oh yeah look at me I want to I got you, you know to yeah. my own horn I think he totally fleeced them but he also put bullshit in there like uh, some dude running one over with a snowmobile and then people shooting him out of helicopters first of all I don't know any hunters that run over animals, like spear them with a snowmobile ski. Secondly, there isn't a predator contest that exists where you get to shoot them out of helicopters. Uh, that's just, I mean, that would be a private landowner actively participating in wildlife management. Um, people do it with hogs and coyotes. And state wildlife agencies like Idaho, Montana, they also shoot wolves out of helicopters. So people need to understand that, but that has nothing to do with these contests. So the whole way that the thing was presented to me was just a anti-hunting smut project. Um, yeah, terrible. it clearly was. And I don't disagree with that. At the same time, I don't think that it, I don't know about it except for you. Yeah. It didn't come across my radar and I'm in, I'm like engulfed in the hunting world. You know, yeah. but like, here's the I, I guess what I'm line. saying is like, wh whose mind did they change? Well, through that? I, there was tons yeah. of hunters. So a guy, with 37,000 followers, his name's Ben Masters, I think. He did this um, one project where they rode horses from the Mexico-Texas border to Canada, the Canada border. They did this documentary. People liked it. I never watched it. But he's the one that posted it, and then uh, that's what drew my ire when all of these other supposed hunters or conservationists got on there applauding him for having the courage to stand up for this. And I'm like, motherfucker. You yeah, he's virtue signaling. Problem, dude. That, that's like, that's virtue signaling the same as any of the other virtue signaling we spent most of 2020 talking about. Yeah, uh, but, I agree. That's a douchebag move. But the, um, the the real issue is so the thing's called Project Coyote. It's not about predator hunting contests. It's about ending predator hunting. That's just the first. That was just like I said, the low hanging fruit. This is yeah, the well, easiest thing we can uh, attack. And people don't realize that they're like, oh well, yeah, okay. It sounds terrible. We should be we should do away with predator hunting contests. It isn't about predator hunting contests at all. Again, man, let let California do what California does. They've already, you know, they've got dogs and 
you know, dogs and cats being snatched by mountain lions because they won't let anybody hunt them, right? But so while we've been talking, I pulled this up. Here are the states that have a constitutional right to hunt. Vermont was the first back in 1977. Vermont is such a strange place. The place that first, you know, promoted or legalized open carry and has the oldest uh, protected right to hunt and then also gives us Bernie Sanders. Thanks, Vermont. But anyway, right. Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Minnesota, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming, and Utah passed a bill last year uh, intended to, to bring that about there. That would make it the 23rd state. So damn near half the states in the union have a protected right to both to, oh, in fact, hunt, trap, and fish, according to this thing. Hunt, mm -hmm. trap, and fit, trap, and New, fish. New Mexico's not on there, right? Uh, uh, I don't see New Mexico. Yes, yeah. because they just introduced a bill this week that would ban trapping on public land. So those are the types of things that, and I guarantee you, even even Montana had a uh, a it got shot down, but they have the constitutional right to hunt and trap, and they had an anti-trapping bill on public land that was proposed two years ago. I know for a fact, covered it. Right, uh, but so like Renella told being... you, it got it got. If, if I'm not mistaken, it got destroyed. Right. Yeah, yeah. It got crushed. But, so like, um, what I'm saying is, let the douches bring their douches, nonsense yes. right and but we have to stay vigilant it's a fight it's a fight we have to be willing to undertake you know to, to stay engaged in the rest of our lives is that exhausting yeah would it be awesome if we didn't have to sure but it just i, I don't know kind of is what it is to me there are ignorant people that don't understand these sorts of things uh and and other similar you know they're just Part of the reason that you and I hunt and fish is because we like to intentionally go do something that's hard mm -hmm. because it's super rewarding. One of the biggest problems in life these days is that we don't, as a, as a society, have to strive and fight every day to literally survive. Mm -hmm. human, built, human beings were engineered and evolved to fight and strive for survival every minute of every freaking day. And in the last 150 or so years, not even that long, hell, maybe just the last 80 to 100 years, life has become so damn easy that people like these, you know, woke snowflake anti-hunters are filling the void that they have in their life where struggle used to exist with something to struggle over and get angry about, right? So this is right. just one of a thousand different things that we've talked, many of which we've talked about on this show, that they've decided you know, that at least a subset of them have decided to make their, to, to derive their life's meaning from, right? But mm. their arguments suck. And that's why any poll that I'm aware of that's, you know, that, that's appropriately worded, you know, generally supports that something like, what, 60 or 70% of Americans when asked, you know, something to the effect of, do you think people should be able to hunt and fish for substance? They all say yes. A vast, vast huge majority, right? I mean, it's like, you know, 20% are hunters and then like 60% are supportive of hunting, at least to some extent, right? And then there's this, you know, one fifth group of, you know, jackasses who think that if a bullet or an arrow doesn't go through the rib cage of a servid, that that servid going to live forever and not have its not be disemboweled by a wolf or a coyote or a bear. I guess the thing for me, and, and I agree, you're, you know, you're giving, giving me a little hype, a little, little hope. The pulse is starting to, to come back. That's uh, <laughs> what I'm here for, brother. Yeah. The concerning thing to me was just to see so many people that claim to be hunters agreeing with that. Uh, that was alarming. And it's like, I hate to say that we're going to cannibalize ourselves from the inside out, but that's my greatest fear, I think, uh, is that because things like, oh, you want to hunt with a, a crossbow or a bow or you're a rifle, or you're a bow hunter or the way that we um, set our seasons. We can argue all day about those things and it's not going to be the end of us. But it's like saying that there's margin. There's there's room for discussion on the Second Amendment. No, there really isn't, because if you give them an inch, they take a mile. You let them get their foot in the door. They freaking kick it down. And that's, you know, that's that's just the way it is um speaking of um oh wait I'll, I, 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 let's not ch switch gears because i have some thoughts on all that okay the the first is 
everybody has their right. We've had that. You and I have had this debate a few times. It's funny because these are the sorts of things. I still have a list from four years ago, the things we would debate on this podcast. And this kind of stuff is absolutely what we were based the whole thing about. But, um, you know, we've debated over the years, the idea that you sort of just outlined of like, whether all hunters need to march in lockstep, um, never uh, calling out our own for things that we may personally disagree with or whether, you know, it's appropriate to, you know, speak our minds when we see somebody sort of, you know, doing something wrong or dumb. What you just outlined to me is more of a microcosm problem of social media in general. And that is the proliferation through social media of virtue signaling, right? Mm -hmm. You don't, none of those people, none of them that are hunters and fishermen are going to spend one second outside of their social media app protesting a predator contest or, or whatever their specific gripes with the documentary were. None of them. They saw something online that triggered something in them and it gave them, you know, an opportunity to, like I said, virtue signal to let the world know that, Hey, I may be a hunter, but I'm not one of those hunters. I'm one of the good hunters. Right. Yeah. And that guy, and the guy that is in question and that, that brought this to light, uh, he apparently is anti predator hunting, you know, in general, completely. Yes. Right. Okay. So what I so you, right. So, so he, his position is well understood. Like I said, even his mind wasn't changed. Yeah. Right. He just had his own worldview reinforced by this documentary. And the likelihood is that anybody who follows him, you know, I don't, I doubt he changed any of their minds either. You know, anybody who follows a guy who's an anti hunt, anti predator hunter, isn't going to be surprised with an anti, when an anti predator hunter espouses his anti predator hunting opinion. And, you know, they're probably not going to have their minds changed. They're either already with him or they're not. Mm. Um, but I guess what I'm getting at is while I can't stand, you know, virtue signaling in general, signaling in general, um, and you know, <laughs> social media either for that matter, I'm just broadly, uh, everybody has a right to speak their piece. I have my issue with certain aspects of hunting my issues. I have issues with certain aspects of hunting, which we've discussed, which we disagree with on many instances. Like for example, if I could pass a constitutional amendment in Texas to outlaw high fences, I would, and I'm a pretty strong property rights guy, but I don't like them. I think they're lame. I think they are uh, destructive in some ways to, you know, certain wildlife. Um, I think that, you know, they certainly lead, you know, I'm not going to sit here and nitpick 15,000 acres versus 500 acres, but we all know what a 500 acre high fence is. It's a pen, right? That's not hunting. So I don't know. That being said, say that. Uh, it's, I mean, you hunted at Glenn's place. That was a section that was 640 acres that hunted a lot bigger it, it, because the elevation changed everything. I mean, I hunted four times there before I ever shot an axis deer and there's freaking axis deer everywhere. I don't think you can just lump it. Okay. How about a hundred acre pin? I will say a hundred acres is okay. definitely a pin. There's a line is the point, right? There's, there's yes. a point at which that's the biggest problem is where's the line, you know, like that's right. And all, that's why all of this shit is subjective. Right. But you know, to, to expect, all hunters to be okay with all way, methods of take and all styles of portraying how you did it and all that stuff. I mean, we had that debate about the, the dude that, uh, speared the bear. Yeah. Um, I don't have any problem with that dude taking a bear with a spear. I don't either. It was but I think I prefaced it by saying we can debate those other things, right? This virtue signaling was the, the end game is to ban the killing of predators. So that's, that's why like, this isn't up for debate. This is, it's not the same thing. Yeah, I guess all I'm saying is that that documentary is not going to achieve that end game, right? Yeah. Those people of the states that I just named, they know damn good and well how important it is to maintain predator populations if you want to have a thriving, uh, you know, game population, right? They all do. I mean, Montanans are not about to pass anything that allows them or prevents them from killing wolves and coyotes, right, and bears, so. Um, I thought it was funny that, uh, so, you know, the, the gray wolf was taken off of the uh, endangered species list is one of the great things Trump did on his way out of office uh, was, and it's been a long time coming way overdue. The, the great lake states have been for, for whatever reason, legally, they haven't given been given the same freedoms as Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming to like manage their own wolf populations. And so Wisconsin just had its third ever wolf harvest 
and it went over by like uh 80%. Like the goal was like 120 wolves. They killed 216 in like three days and people couldn't report them fast enough. Uh, so that they didn't close, they didn't close the quota because they didn't know they were over. Well, the state, the state's goal, Wisconsin's goal, is three hundred and fifty gray wolves. They have sixteen hundred. So I'm like, good, you killed, you killed more than you, than your goal was, and you still didn't kill enough because you want to have three fifty. You're at sixteen hundred. I mean, do the math. Uh, but dude, the freaking, it's been all over the news. People are so pissed about it, and I'm just like, good. I'm, they they're doing God's work there. Good job, Wisconsin. Yeah. Hopefully they go over their quota again next year. Probably what will really happen though is they'll shut the wolf hunt down completely because of that. So who knows? Um Yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> yeah. Um shifting gears here. There's some there was some good news and uh coming out of Alabama. Um which you know we've t- going back to our our book review on irreversible damage, Abigail Schreier Schreier's not her name. Uh, that book where we, we discussed this pandemic of these teenage girls transgendering. Uh, well, the state of Alabama, the Senate just uh, passed a law that will ban the transgender of minors. And not only that, it will prevent them from being able to get puberty blockers. So good job, Alabama, man, saving these kids. And that's what the lady, the senator who introduced the bill, that's what she said. This is about saving kids from making a devastating decision that could haunt them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't seem like it should be all that controversial as far as I'm concerned, but it clearly is. Um, we're going to see a lot of that stuff, man. Um, I, you know, as we wrapped up last year, like we talked about the Supreme Court case the state of Texas filed and you know, the nine to nothing decision not to let it move forward on the election stuff. You know, I made the case that's that's federalism and that's what every conservative is supposed to mean stand for, right? This is this hunting stuff. This that is an example of transgender stuff. Uh, you know, you can look at the you know abortion debate as well. That the states are going to step in and do what they have they feel they have to do to prevent uh, you know to prevent these sorts of things from happening inside their borders. And, you know, I think the good news is that uh, as is con- currently constructed, the U S Supreme court is uh, positioned to support, uh, to defend those States rights to do so. And, you know, that's the beauty of our structure. Again, like you, California, you guys want to, you know, throw yourselves off this woke cliff. Look what's happening. The problem is they're all moving into my neighborhood. Yeah, but I think I've outlined before, man, that doesn't mean they're voting for liberals. It's second, third, fourth generation Texans that are voting for the left. That's proved out in the exit polling data. Um, I mean, it, it, it just, it's, it's not a given that just because somebody moves here from California, they move here and start voting for woke crap, you know? Yeah. Well, the one I hope is that enough of the people who are, sick of it and fed up with it move here that you know they can out outweigh or counterbalance all the damn native texans that are being swayed by that crap yeah well i think i think more of them keep their voting habits than you realize but 55 to 45 in the ted cruz better o'rourke um yeah. uh, election so i mean i don't know that's i, I look at that and I, that's that's what i think is somewhere around 55 to 45 so yeah uh, also news from the deep south which i think is freaking awesome because we've discussed this before it's not it's science men are physically superior to women women have their gifts being as strong as a man is not one of them <laughs> that's not the way god designed it and uh, anyway mississippi the house just voted to ban transgenders from participating in women's sports so Good job, Mississippi. Keep the dudes out of women's sports. I'm, just because you say you're a girl, uh, you're not. So there's that. Again, man, like this, that's it's so it's so funny to watch. And, and another reason for optimism: the left ultimately eats itself. I mean, just look at how many devout, staunch leftists have found themselves 
you know, cast out because they stepped wrong. They said something the wrong way. They, you know, it, it happens all the time where even leftists get canceled because the rules change. They're so amorphous. They, they're so fluid, right? You know, it was not that long ago where feminism was one of the most, you know, prominent causes uh, among the progressive left. And now all of a sudden feminists are being told that if they don't support, to your point, letting transgender people compete against, you know, transgender women compete against biological women, that that makes them a trans exclusionary radical feminist. What is more undermining to women in feminism than telling them you're not actually any different than somebody who was born with male right. genitalia? <laughs> like their whole point is, yeah, we are. It's uh, the irony is not lost on me. So it's just, I mean, it, the good thing is I don't, I don't know any devout leftists, like truly devout leftists. You know, we've talked about our family members that have some left-leaning sensibilities. Um, our siblings mostly. <laughs> yeah. But I like, you know, I have talked to her a little bit about this, my sister being her. And, you know, she's very sensitive, which so am I, dude. Man, if I, anybody who thinks that they're born in the wrong damn body, that is a such a heavy burden. I can't even fathom it. And I feel for them. I pray for them. Right. But I, I refuse to let reality be warped into something that it's not to accommodate this super small minority of humans. Right. There's all kinds of accommodations I'm willing to make for them. But pretending that they, pretending that there's no such thing as gender differences, to your point, and therefore someone who was originally born with male genitalia who transitions, you know, and in fact, a lot of these leagues, uh, you know, governing bodies of these different athletic I'm pretty sure even in the Olympic, I'm almost, I'm almost positive. Even in the, in the Olympics, a transgender person gets to compete where they choose to. They don't actually have to go through the physical transformation. They can just say I'm a woman. Right. Right. There, there's no procedure in place for saying, okay, your testosterone has to be below X or anything like that. You know, if they would seriously talk about those sorts of provisions, they might actually be able to garner some more, support for this sort of thing right but you know there was a there was a dude lady whatever that it was an mma fighter that didn't transition until they were almost like mid 30s and then all of a sudden they were cracking women's orbital bones and cheeks and stuff like destroying right and ultimately had to be banned from from competing in mma i'm saying is like if if, if they would be even remotely reasonable and say, okay, well, what if we put a, like I said, like a testosterone limitation on this or say only those who have physically gone through the change or whatever, um, you know, that, that just ends up in a sort of tail chasing, like, you know, never ending nitpicking of little variables and all that stuff. But oh, it also black and white for me, if you're, but, but, a but trainee, doing you're competing on your birth, whatever you were born, that's where you compete because that's the way God made you. I understand emotionally you might have all this damage. I, like you said, feel for you. doesn't change the fact that science is science unless you're the party of science. And then you're saying, wait, wait, um, actually we get to pick and choose when we apply that, uh, which is another crock of shit. Right. But I'm, I'm just saying that if they were, if they were willing to try to place some boundaries around it, they might find, you know, more allies among their current adversaries. But the truth is, they're not willing to have that conversation because that converse, that very conversation undermines the whole damn thesis to begin with. Right. Right. That there was no difference to begin with, which is nonsense. Well, good job, Mississippi and Alabama. Uh, very proud of those states. Yeah, same. Uh, here's, a, here, here's something funny I just want to share with you guys. Um, so behind the scenes interactions between Chisholm and I, so today on our Justified Pursuit, uh, Pursuit Instagram page, I posted a uh, – I've been pretty pissed off that Mr. Potato Head – I don't care about Mr. Potato Head. Um, 
and Dr. Seuss have been canceled. I like the this fact week. that as you said that, you realized that it was a silly thing to let yourself get too upset about. No, 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 Chisholm. It's not. You can't. It's it's a microcosm of society. It's just I, I agree, the culture. I agree, I agree. It's not about but Mr. Potato Head. I don't give a shit about Mr. Potato Head. I should have said how silly it's it probably sounded. in the realm of cool toys. He's probably dead effing last, right? He, he sucks. Uh, but now he can't even be a he. Now he's just Potato Head. And and then in the same day, uh, Dr. Seuss six books gets canceled. Do you know Dr. Seuss? Um, like politically, he did a lot of political um, cartoons as well. And a lot of them were about anti-Semitism, meaning he was saying how how awful it was. Did you know that? The guy is the farthest thing from a racist. He was born in Massachusetts, lived most of his life in L.A. Uh, so I'm not saying he was a liberal, but certainly based off of his history and what I know about him, these books were not coming from a place of racism. Uh, but now they're canceled. Um, but so... I. I Anyway, back to the point, I put this picture of a lady in a toy aisle squinting really hard, and it was like the caption was the left going through a toy store trying to figure out which toy to cancel next. And Chisholm saw it, I guess, and uh, he texted me, Chisholm, this is our text exchange. Did you have to use a black lady for your cancellation meme? (laughs) <laughs> and I said, unapologetic, I'm effing over this S. Feel free to delete it if you want to. Chisholm said, keep in mind you're not alone on this venture. And then I said, I think it's racist that you saw color. I just saw a human being. Chisholm resp- responds, well, I've been programmed. I've been programmed to be the victim by the left. And I said, laugh out loud. Indeed you are. I'll get you a participation trophy to help you feel better about yourself. So, uh, yeah, so there you I, I, I meant the left has programmed me to see color at all times, right. and therefore, and therefore, I am the victim here. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little, uh, a little behind the scenes exchange. Um, Chisholm and I obviously don't always see eye to eye on these things, but uh, yeah, I, it crossed my mind that she was black. Uh, I didn't make the meme; I stole it from the typical liberal, uh, great uh, Instagram account, by the way, and uh, it, but then. I was like, well, pretty transparent. Whether she's black or white, the message is the same. I guess you're just a little more uh, sensitive to the social climate that we're living in right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair to say. (laughs) and probably always has been. Um, That doesn't mean that I appreciate it, like it, agree with it. I just, it did definitely catch my attention right off the bat because you see race yes you're racist like i said i've been programmed i guess (laughs) (laughs) but they this is what they want man dude this is what they want they want us to see people's race before anything else so i wish i wish everybody every human being could go to a third world country and see racism firsthand literally spent 10 days in africa chisholm colonialism is alive and well uh South Africa's population is like 10 to 11% white. The rest is black. Guess who controls all the wealth? The 10%. And so I was talking to my PH. Do what? The 1% over there. Yeah. Well, and, and you, dude, it's racist as all get out over there. Like it really is. And it's in, I mean, I don't know. I wish it would be eye opening for people to see how actually um unracist this country is is unracist a word i'm trying to think of if you're not if it's not racist maybe it's unracist i don't know but well, uh, the left tells tells us we have to be anti-racist but that's like a whole separate thing right uh <laughs> but I, it, I mean it's rampant there man and colonialism even the 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 white people i was hunting with the south africans are like oh yeah it's they admit it it's like colonialism that's that's how we are wealthy and they are poor. Um, it's nothing like what we have here in the United States. So it's eye opening for sure. Yeah. Well, I think that ties right back into the point I made earlier, which is that people in this country don't have anything to struggle over, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're making up boogeymen left and right. And, or, you know, Hey, we we've acknowledged some of there's a, there's a nugget of truth in all of this stuff. Right. But, 
they're certainly making it out to be like an existential threat, right? I mean, the terminology that I hear that, that bothers me the most, whether they're talking about race or whether they're talking about transgenderism or whether they're talking about, you know, like pol political positions in general on like spending and stuff is that these conversations make human beings unsafe. It's just like the brainwashing of like two generations of Americans to think that you know, out uh, the out the front door, uh, you know, uh, of every black American is a Klan member waiting to hang them is <laughs> or a cop waiting. to It's shoot incredible, them. dude. It's it's inc all right. Or exactly. It's incredible how if you noticed, by the way, speaking of that, when was the last time you saw police kill unarmed black men in the news? I haven't lately, like September, maybe that, that just like I, I guess they fixed it. Right. I guess that stopped happening. Well, they defunded the police. So right. they're not killing people because they're they're not around. Yeah. But but crime's through the roof, though. They're killing each other. Uh crime murder rates in like Chicago were already bad and now they've gone up. I mean, it's everywhere where they've defunded the police. Crime's gone up across the board. Um so good job. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Also, oh, COVID doesn't really seem to be a thing anymore either. I don't know if you've noticed that, but uh, they don't. Oh yeah, no. CNN yeah. and well, it, it wasn't. Aren't it wasn't a thing till. Yeah, it wasn't a thing till Governor Abbott said he was opening Texas back up, and then <laughs> then the left lost their minds. Gavin Newsom <laughs> called it reckless, that arrogant prick, dude. Dude, he is hilarious. He's gonna get recalled. It's gonna be so great. That guy telling us that we were being reckless right and he's tweeting it from which restaurant where he's not wearing his mask millions of californians are trying to get him out of office and yeah and guess who's trying to protect him yes i think we've talked about it trying to protect him yeah i don't know the money train the the elitists oh yeah they're, sure. they're in bed with him they they don't they don't want him i mean uh oh uh who's that i can't stand that the commentator um Who's the one on HBO? The uh, oh, Bill Maher. Yes, dude. I so I can't stand that guy. He was saying, "Come on, y'all." And this was on his show. I was watching this clip the other day. Yeah, don't do this. Gavin Newsom's a good guy. We don't 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 do this. Leave him alone. Like, okay, well, really, clearly, you're a Hollywood elite. That's why you don't want him out of there. Uh, obviously, te big tech doesn't want him out of there. They're all in bed together, dude. We know that. I didn't know Bill. I thought Bill Maher was sort of against what they were doing. No, 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 no. I can't stand Bill, Bill Maher. Um, but yeah, it's eye-opening. Go to Africa. See what real racism really racism is really like. Um, man. And they and they say the they say those words that that this country where it's tab those taboo words that we don't say that maybe you heard your grandma say growing up. Those words are alive and well in other parts of the world so yep well i think if you were to get a leftist to respond to that which with something other than like screaming and you know chanting um i think what their take would be would be just because it's worse there doesn't mean it's not bad here and that we shouldn't continue our strive for progress and i you know what this is gonna sound crazy i'm I would agree with that comment. Right, but the problem right. is, as we've detailed, like what we are going through right now is a huge step. Maybe se it's it's many steps back. Right. We're heading back Separate to but equal. That's right. We're heading back to segregation by their design, which isn't effing surprising because it was the left that voted in segregation to begin with. Right. Right. But who cares about history? Clearly, yeah. America doesn't. Yeah. Oh. Everybody's One interesting note that I wanted to uh, say. So my PH that I've spent now four weeks of my life with over four trips to Africa. So we know each other quite well. We're talking about this, talking about colonialism. And I was like, you know, he was like, why are you guys letting the left and like movements like BLM destroy your country? And um, we got into that, that uh, population percentage thing. And I was like, he said that he was like, they're trying to do it here too. And I said, Carl, there's a big difference, man. You are the minority. So they will do what they want to do. We are the majority still in America. Like, 
it's just the the majority is pandering to the minority and and um sure obviously we all like we just said i agree with that comment that a liberal would theoretically say to you um we should be trying to eliminate it completely of course we should but the majority of people in the country and it's and it's not all about racism you know it's uh it's just the left pushing all of all of these ideals that we've discussed on the show down our throats and i don't know i just i found it odd that that we are letting the minority dictate to the majority in this country um yeah you know the weird thing is don't use minority as a description for for race here i'm not because that's not what, how i'm applying it okay cool because i was really <laughs> i was gonna no, no. try to help you thread this needle right okay right. got no. you not 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 racial minority right a minority of this of society yes yes Yes, yes, cool. Right. Like of all colors, yeah, including white people. I was gonna make the point that it's the it's the white leftists that are the big problem, right? Yes. Um because they're the ones who I listen to people talk about this all the time, but 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 they basically infantilize they just infantilize black people, man. Like, you know, have we have we talked about that poster that the um national black history museum put out it's the national museum of african-american history and culture is what it's called it's in uh, dc it's part of the smithsonian right no but when i logged on to instagram the other day i was prompted with a do you want to donate to black history month message just randomly like uh i thought that was interesting <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of uh, every, every time I go on to Amazon now, I'm being asked to shop at a. What does that even mean? Who's Black History Month? How do you donate to a month? Like, who, who's getting, who's getting the money? Where's it even going? I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't have any, I, I don't have any problem with Black History Month at all. Supporting it, uh, you know, recognizing it. Um, it's a unique culture within America, within the world, really. Um, but no, let me, let me, let me tell you about what this, this thing I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'll include it in the notes, but they, this past summer, it's sort of really like the fever peak of, uh, the BLM stuff, the national museum of African-American history and culture put out on their website, this page. And it was like this little poster looking thing. <laughs> And it, it was, it was like, they, they have a section of the website called like talking about race or something like that. And so it went in there. And, and so it, it, it's titled aspects and assumptions of whiteness and white culture in the United States. It says white dominant culture or whiteness refers to the ways white people and their traditions, attitudes, and ways of life have been normalized over time and are now considered standard practices in the U S and since white people still hold most of the institutional power in America, we have all internalized some aspects of white culture, including people of color. So here are the things that they describe as unique and specific to white culture, which has then been like forced upon people of color. Rugged individualism. The individual is the primary unit. Self-reliance, independence and autonomy highly valued and rewarded. Individuals assumed to be in control of their environment. I'll, I'll stop you when I hear one that's a negative uh, characteristic. Yeah, good luck. Family structure. The nuclear family. Father, mother, 2.3 children is the ideal social unit. Husband is breadwinner and head of, head of household. Wife is homemaker and subordinate to the husband. Not sure what effing planet they're living on, but there aren't a lot of wives sitting home as homemakers these days in any color of people in America. But My whatever. wife's at work at the hospital right now. I'm sure she is. Children should have their own rooms and be independent. She makes more money than me. She actually does like something beneficial for society. I just talking to a microphone. So, yeah, no, I, like I said, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I, I, I don't. I, my wife has been. Extra, we have been extraordinarily blessed that she's been able to stay home and care for our kids uh, during this first twelve years. She's done, you know, her odd photography jobs here and there and some stuff, but. You know, we are for sure in the vast minor- minority of our peers because of that. I don't really, I can't, I don't think I can name somebody else 
who has a parent staying home mm -hmm. full time. And, you know, and that's, that's basically over now. Like she's working on a project as we speak. That's going to keep, it's keeping her full time busy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, but the point there is the family structure, right? Yeah. It, 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 it is pretty freaking, it's interesting because but none science, of those other characteristics or, or negative being rugged and self-reliant right like what well right so, but, hey, so check sign this me out. up to be more rugged and self-reliant like science in uh like the social sciences in particular psychology sociology and all that clearly and unequivocally supports the idea that the traditional nuclear family is the most stable uh structure for raising children raising generations in the, the that we have ever known and really leads to the best outcomes so so following immediately after their critique i guess of the quote white family structure is their quote is our quote emphasis on the scientific method which they point out Ob we embrace objective rational linear thinking cause and effect relationships and quantitative emphasis history this is where it's like you know, whatever, based on Northern European immigrants' experience in the United States, heavy focus on the British Empire, blah, blah, blah. Protestant work ethic. Hard work is the key to success. This is what white people believe. Hard work is the key to success. Work before play. If you didn't meet your goals, you didn't work hard enough. Quote. And they put that okay. in quotes. Religion. Uh, Christianity is the one. norm. Anything other than Judeo-Christian tradition is foreign. No tolerance for deviation from a single God concept. I... <sighs> I, I, I guess that's a that's all white stuff. I know a lot of black Christians. I know a lot of black families. I'll tell you in a heartbeat that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. But whatever, uh, that's because we've forced it on them. That's what it is. Status, despite the fact that the entire lineage of Judeo Christianity actually comes from Africa, and that Jesus was probably a hell of a lot more brown than he was white. But whatever. Right. Status, power, and authority. Wealth equals work. Your job is who you are. Respect Go authority. Back. I, I want to stop Have you. you. Going back to the work ethic one. So they're actually saying you should have a, a lower work ethic? They're not. They're, you know, nowhere in here are they saying these are necessarily bad or to be shunned. They're just saying these are all signs of whiteness. Right. And if you're a black person who, you know, who is committed to, or a brown person who's committed to any of these values, you are so presumably they allude to the idea that you are so because you've been raised in a white supremacist country. So if you do oh, believe in hard work, it's only because whitey made you believe that. Oh, how about the American dream is future one that relies on hard work, which, what, which I started, you, can I, dude, come, you can overcome anything in this country. What is because more of hard work? What is more infantilizing to any human being than to tell them that the only reason you believe in punctuality and hard work is because white people made you believe that was necessary. Like, oh my God, there's nothing I've ever heard more racist. And I would bet a million fucking dollars that this document was written by a bunch of white people. Man, I haven't heard you drop the F-bomb in a while on the show. That was, uh, that was aggressive. And I like future, it. future orientation plan for the future, <laughs> delay gratification. Progress is always best. Tomorrow will be better time. Follow rigid time schedules. Time is viewed as a commodity. <sighs> yeah. Welcome back, Chisholm. He's he's no longer that softy that we knew for the last three or four episodes. I love it. I love it. No, I'm just giving you shit. Um, you know what? While I was in Africa, Coca-Cola did the same thing. And they, people said it was like a LinkedIn program uh, that a lot of companies were, were using. But Coke had a whistleblower. It has been confirmed that they and that this is what the whistleblower screenshotted from the uh, online or the virtual um education that, that coke was giving its employees a lot of them are very similar uh to be less white is to be less oppressive be less arrogant be less certain be less defensive be less ignorant be more humble listen believe break with apathy and break with white solidarity so there you go coca-cola uh canceled polar bears and are now hiring black bears so there you go. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Hannah Nicole Jones that um, put that on for Coca-Cola. She is that. Do you see that anywhere? Do you know that to be the case? Um, I I do not know. I just I was trying to like read this at well, it was my morning, but it was like midnight uh, here, and I don't know. Anyway, 
no idea. I just I just saw and read the story and then fact checked it on like multiple outlets. Not I'm not saying I went to Fox News, um, but it seemed like it was pretty. Um, I mean, it's pretty damning for their brand. What, what, who do they think that they think white people uh, don't drink Coca Cola and that are are not going to be offended by this racism? This is anti right uh, anti white racism and going back to yeah well so that's i don't know if we have time to get into this maybe it'll be a good conversation for next time and i could do a little bit of extra reading on it but these people like nicole hannah jones and uh in particular what happened to your audio everything just changed there what happened to what there you go okay anyway continue uh these people uh from the left that are the kind of the there's a couple of three four tops right this lady nicole hannah jones that i mentioned she's uh, the one that wrote the 1619 project uh, in the New York Times, which is the claim that the United States was built the first time a slave ship was brought here, founded when a slave ship oh, the, was brought yeah, here. Yeah, right? you've talked you've talked about her before, right? Which was and and it was yeah. ripped like it was ripped so heavily by so many historians of all colors, stripes, etc., that they've been quietly and subversively editing the actual document, <clears throat> 1984 uh online but not acknowledging they were doing it they've rewritten the whole effing piece after having published it a year and a half ago um to take out all the falsehoods and basically gutted the thing but nobody knows because it was already rent mm-hmm. uh but anyway there was a, there's another one his name is ibram x kindy and he is the goat when it comes to um <laughs> current woke racial ideology and he actually says that that the cure if you're not a quote anti-racist as he just dis- defines it then you're complicit in racism right so you know that was kind of one of the things going around last summer it was like if you aren't out in the streets with us you're not an ally you're you can't racist, yeah. you can't agree with the idea that we have a lot of work to do on racial equality you have to actively be spending time money resources energy risking your neck to be promoting this stuff or you're just part of the problem right well he has this quote out there in his book anti-racist how to be an anti-racist that's the name of the book how to be an anti-racist where he basically says that that the cure for past discrimination is present discrimination and the cure or the fix however he phrases it the fix for future discrimination uh for, for current discrimination is future discrimination. In other words, and this is this isn't taken out of context. This is exactly what he's saying. We're not. They don't. The left is not oblivious to the point we keep making that they're segregating us. They know they are. They know they are. They know that their policies in the Pacific Northwest of having you know separate you know race training for black and brown people and white people and just go down the list right literally saying you can you you can know everything you need to know about a person based on their color of their skin and you know or at least enough about the person based on the color of their skin right these are these are racist ideas and segregationist Mm -hmm. ideas and he's saying yeah that's how you fix racism so he's is to dude he has basically said and he may have actually said it in very certain terms uh that i haven't necessarily seen but if you, but his thesis, if you, if you read between the lines of his thesis and anti-racist, how to be an anti-racist, what you'll see is we get to discriminate against white folks now because we've been discriminated against in the past. Oh there, uh, yeah. It, that's going to work out it, well. It is a blatant <laughs> dude, but that's what they're doing, man. Like uh, it, it's not even, like I said, they're not really even hiding from it. Right. Like, it, it's, it is. And, and it, well, and it's not just white people. Right. Because simultaneous to all this is this gender war, right? And, and I've talked about this before on our show. Listen to Mo Facts, everybody. You know, Mo's point is always, hey, you know, white folks, you know, guys in particular, if you want to know what the left is up to, check out what they're doing to the black men because they always start with us. Mm. They've tried for decades to neuter black men through things like the crime bill that Joseph R. Biden promoted and passed he sounds familiar right? um 
you know, to the point where now it's acknowledged un- definitively that, you know, they've, they've succeeded in overturning the patriarchy among American black culture. It's a matriarchy. A good friend of mine who happens to be a black guy says it himself, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it is We've talked about him. Mm-hmm. It's almost two to one. There's almost He's two like times by his mom and grandmother, which is, which is pretty common. Right. And, and you know, cool. He's a, great dude and he's got a great family but the, the point is being there's like two times as many black well, good, women as there are black men because I, only... he's probably trying to be the dad that his father wasn't so for sure he is and he's a fantastic father yeah but I, my, my point is just they succeeded in sidelining men well i'll take the uh i'll take the sort of conspiracy theory context out of that Within the black community, men have been sidelined and women are more or less now in charge of the culture. And, you know, and even even that is now being undermined by the transgender initiative, which I think you I, th- I think we've touched on that. The three ladies who founded BLM all described themselves basically as some version of LGBTQ. And nowadays they are willing to. Basically dog out black men on account of their LGBTQ agenda. When it was the murder, the killing, or I should say, of black men by police specifically, that was their whole cause to begin with. Mm-hmm. But now they got black men stepping out of line and saying, we're not really down with, you know, aborting every, you know, you know 70% of the black babies and, and you know, this, this transgender craziness. And now they're like, oh, y'all got to shut up. Because y'all are holding back progress, right? But point being, you know, there is a deliberate attempt to flip the powerarchy against white people. But more importantly, there's a deliberate, they call it the patriarchy and they attack it for a reason, right? My mind's been spinning ever since you said the only way to fix racism is to flip flop it. That's right. He said, and so the the long term effect of that is just going to be more hate and more resentment and further division there's no way that that could ever come full circle ever and if you don't think that there are super powerful you know elite leftists who know that in their heart of hearts then you're you're being you're being blind yes a lot of people are duped by this shit out of like white guilt or whatever it would be but there are some powerful string pullers who profit off of this chaos. Yeah. That's all there is to it, man. Yep. yep. If we're Same all getting along and we're don't not want fighting Gavin Newsom you know, power. You, know, you know what would happen in this country if all of a sudden everybody was getting along and and we weren't at each other's throats? How much less time would people spend on social media? How much less time would people oh. spend watching the news if we weren't being bombarded by triggering anxiety inducing bullshit all the time how much better would that's your the drug, quality right? of life be and uh, this kind of like this baggage that we're all carrying around like feeling like we have to check the news just to it can't be good for your long-term health it's stressful like we're living in a stressful time yeah that, well that's why that's the realization I came to at the very beginning of this year that caused me to take a different approach, which is why when you texted me yesterday, I was like, I don't know, whatever you want to talk about, dude. I don't, I'm hardly, I'm not, not paying attention to it, man, but I'm not consuming it like obsessively. And, uh, so I don't know every little thing that's going on. Like I probably did six months ago. We're probably like closer to consuming it on the same rate now. Cause you were probably, I mean, you read so much stuff. I mean, like, yeah, so we're probably more on a level playing field. So probably so. But since this is the average guy's podcast anyway, that's probably not a bad thing. Like I said, I'm still plugged in enough to be able to speak on most things. But um, mm. man, it's a lot better place to be to look back at a week and say, "Huh, I wonder what happened in the world." Because I just took care of my shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, we got to wrap this one up. We will be back with another show. Back on our normal schedule, one show a week uh next week so thank you guys for uh bearing with us and hopefully everybody that suffered from snowmageddon um you know thoughts and prayers go out to you guys i know we certainly lost power and had busted pipes didn't have a disaster but certainly a lot of people on my street did and a lot of people throughout certainly north texas and and a lot of the state and 
uh, were not spared. So thoughts and prayers go out to them, man. Uh, I know you, I, you guys never see it snow in San Antonio and y'all got, y'all got snow down there. Oh, like three days, man. Yeah, it was, um, crazy. It was really, really something. I'm with you. We got really lucky. We only lost power for a couple of days, water for not quite a full day and everything was working when it came back on, but definitely knew people who were without water for a full week or more. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the podcasts I listened to these conservative guys, they were, you know, East coast guys and they were, Oh, just, you know, they were talking about it, but there was a little air of dismissal. And I remember one of them saying something about how eh, it was like, you know, 20 something degrees. And I was like, I know that this isn't the kind of climate you get in New York, but it was five degrees until about noon, like three straight days in a row. So it, yeah. you know, it was not 20 something degrees. It might've broken 20, those couple of worst days, like, you know, for two hours. Right. Right. But no, uh, it was below, know. it was below zero for the first time I can ever remember in my life. In, yeah. Yeah. We didn't get below forward. zero here, but we got damn close. Yeah. yeah. Which we're not, we're not cut out for that. Clearly. <laughs> no. Uh, the one smart thing we did was, so we had moved out of our house just to move in with my sister-in-law for, because we didn't have power. And um, the one smart thing that we did, and the only reason why we didn't have our entire house flood is we turned uh, the water off just preemptively. Cause my neighbor across the street, his house flooded and he had a, he had the key. He was like, dude, if you want, we can just turn yours off real quick. And then we had to spend like 30 minutes digging through six inches of snow, trying to find where the, <laughs> the, the water main or the, you know, shutoff valve was in the front yard. <laughs> so that was interesting things that you never think you'll have to do in Texas, but yep. uh, you never know, but all right, y'all thanks for tuning in. Uh, Chisholm enjoyed it, man. You have a great afternoon. We'll do it again soon. All right, buddy. Talk to you later.